0: Get up, get out your seat. Live out your destiny. And get out and start your feet. Um, she's you better- always on the grind here helping. So today we are talking about La Familia, and that's all the Spanish you're getting, okay? And so, <laughs> so if you got excited, like, oh, no, that's all you're getting today. Uh, and so we're talking about the family, right? Amen. Can I get a, just kind of see who, who's in the room with me? Who here was raised by one of those families where it's like, when you're at home, it's normal, but when you go into public, people are like, dang, why are you yelling so much? Who was raised in a loud family? Raise your hand. Yeah, okay, yes, good job, good job. Okay, yeah, Mia, good job being honest, okay, appreciate it. I'm a youth pastor, I call people by name. Uh, The loudest person in our church now is Clara Armstrong, and that's Pastor Jesse's uh, mom, so it just is what it is. I'm I'm very, uh, I'm amazed, like God has a calling on her life, that's all I know. Uh, How about, uh, let's see, how about people who are super, like your family, like you hug and kiss, and when you go in public, people are like, bro, Too much. Anyone? Raise your hand if you're in a super touchy family. Yeah? Okay. You have permission to scoot over at the person next to you. Raise their hand. Okay? There's a no judgment, five-second rule. When you're creeped out by a person, you can just, amen, brother. God bless you. All right? So... Uh, raise your hand if you're not about the touchy-feely. Come on, this is your chance right now in church to say, I don't like where you say to greet each other. Raise your hand if you're against the greet each other. Yes, yes, amen. That doesn't make you less Christian. There's people don't wash their hands. We see people come into the... T- I know you see people come in and out of the bathroom just believing that the Holy Spirit is going to cleanse their hands. Um, and, uh, you know, God bless their heart. <laughs> Just don't don't bless me by hand, shake, hand, shake, ah, shaking my hands, okay? So we're all raised different. Ra- raise your hand if you're raised Catholic. Any, 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 yep, okay. Raquel's excited about that one, okay. Anyone raised Baptist? Yep, raise your hand if you're raised like Pentecostal. Oh, that was quite, come on, bro. You are raised Pentecostal. Don't be lying in the house of God. Raise your hand if you're raised Pentecostal. Yeah, oh, ooh, ah, okay. That's not the kind of Pentecostal so I, I, the Pentecost church I was raised in, like, woo! Sorry, sorry, uh, uh, Rudy. Uh, but we're all, we all come from somewhere, we all have these preconceived ideas of what family is, these uh, presuppositions of what that looks like in the church, and, and how we're supposed to greet each other, be friends with each other, right? Because if your family's one way, you're kind of a certain type of friend. Right, and so you know, I'm not going to get into that today. We're talking about family, uh, and so let me just kind of give you a background of my story and who I am and where, and because it, it kind of means something at the end here. But I grew up in a house where my parents just invited way too many people to live with us. I'm going to be honest with you. We're like, I don't know, like you wonder what's for dinner. I was wondering who's 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 living with us that night or who's who's staying with us. The people on the couch. My dad inherited. This tiny little, I was going to bring a picture, but I don't want to embarrass the people who are living there now because I don't even know how it's standing. But he inherited this old, like, manufactured home that was, like, less than a 1,000 square feet. And they filled that house always. And so, like, one time it was, like, my aunt and uncle in the laundry room slash pantry slash bedroom slash Whatever that room was, I don't, I, it was just a room, and they slept in there, and we weren't supposed to go in there. But my snacks were in there, so it was kind of an issue. And so there was that room, then my parents slept in the other room, and in between those two, separated by two sheets, twin-size sheets, savanas, uh we didn't have doors, we had sheets just hanging in the middle, was me, my brother, my two cousins, and my other cousin, and she was sleeping in the closet. Anyone raised in a house like that? Yep, yep. I won't call the police. I, can't, I promise you, everything's just blink twice if it's okay, all right? I promise you, everything was okay. We're just, we're just, a, little, we're just a little Mexican, okay? And uh, we, 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 that's how we are. family. You don't need space, you just need family, right? And so that's how I was raised. We were just, stayed together, we're there together. We smelled like papas con weenies all the time. We, we ate bologna sandwich and potted meat. And that's just what it was. I thought girls were hitting on me at school, but they just liked the fresh tortilla smell that I was walking around with. You know, I was like, hey, girl. Chill, bro. Chill. They just like the, the the smell, I guess. I don't. I don't know. I, looking back, man, I, my whole childhood's a lie. Um, <laughs> seeded water. Okay, if you follow me on Instagram, you know I'm in the gardening, and the teenagers make fun of me. But like seeded watermelon on the carport in the summer in Arizona. None of that seedless fake stuff. Okay, you need the seeds, and just that life of simple, broke. <laughs> Anyone raised broke, amen? If you're raised rich, amen, adopt me, okay? I'm 37, but man, I, I, I will be a good family member, okay? I promise you. Raised like that, not a lot. The stove and the dryer were the heater in the winter, the swamp cooler, you gotta go get the, go get the hose, mijo, go get the hose and do the swamp cooler in the summer. Just raised with very little, but no matter how little space we had, my parents always made room for the family. It didn't matter. They made room for the family, and and also yes, my parents would like that. They st- now they don't let no one live with them. Okay, they're Americanized now. My mom's 50 years removed from Mexico. Okay, she's done with that. Okay, so don't ask. I asked one time. I was like, hey mom, no, no, it's me and your dad now. Uh, so this is old school. Okay. I'm, I'm, uh, but no matter how little space they had, and no matter how little food we had, they always made room at the table for people to eat. And I just am thankful for living a life that was simple, annoying, Christmases were whack, you know, Santa didn't come to the hood, you know, those things. I was just annoyed, like it was bad, no, no privacy, none of that. But we, we just learned that that was family. That's what it was. And so I just wanna take you on a little journey to look at what is family in the church? What does that look like in, in God's kingdom? What is family in the church? I would say kingdom family culture, but I ain't trying to get you all excited for KFC today, so we're not talking about that. The kingdom family. If you look in the church's history, not this church, but church history, uh, the more, I'm, I'm, in, I don't know if I'm, I'm in grad school right now, the more you look, the uglier it gets. can I be real with you, if anyone has looked, there's some not so good moments. There's moments in US history where we can't come to church like this with everyone in you know, the whole family together. There's, pe- there's places in overseas where there's just ugly things and there's a lot of loopholes on how to become a family member. In the church, and so as we look at what is God's intention of being a family member, I want you to just kind of open your eyes, open your ears to a, a, a familiar story, but maybe in a, a new way. And what is God calling you to? What who is He calling you to? Who is He? What is He calling you to, or who He's calling you to today? Second Samuel nine, verse one through thirteen. This is a story about one of my favorite stories when I was growing up. Is Mephibosheth. Can anyone say that three times? Quick, ready, go. Yeah, that's right, that's right. I can say Mephibosheth, okay, so I'm. I'm I'm, I'm on the level, right? I actually practiced a lot this week. I'm like, please don't mess it up. Please don't mess it up. Please don't mess it up. So it's a story about Mephibosheth, and and we're going to jump in, and I'm going to read 1 through 13, and we're going to dissect it a little bit. One day, David asked, is anyone in Saul's family still alive, anyone to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? He summoned a man named Ziba, who had been one of Saul's servants. Are you Ziba? The king asked. Now, if the king asked my name, I'd be like, "Why?" But he straight up said, "Yes, sir, I am." <laughs> Must have been very innocent. Uh, Ziba replied. The king then asked him, "Is anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, I want to show God's kindness to them." Ziba replied, "Yes, one of Jonathan's sons is still alive, but he is uh, crippled in both feet." Where is he? The king asked. He's in Lodabar, debar Ziba told him, at the home of Maker's son Amyo. So David sent for him and brought him from Maker's psalm. His name was, get it? Mephibosheth, okay? You're gonna learn today. He was Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson. Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson. When he came to David, he bowed low to the ground in deep respect. David said, greetings, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth replied, I am your servant. And David said this, don't be afraid. He must have looked afraid. David said, I intend to show kindness to you because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will eat here with me at the king's table. Mephibosheth bowed respectfully and exclaimed, who is your servant that you would show kindness to a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Saul's servant Ziba and said, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and servants are to farm the land for him to produce food for your master's household. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, will eat here at my table. Ziba replied, yes, my lord, the king, I am your servant and I will do all that you have commanded. And from that time on, Mephibosheth ate regularly at David's table like one of the king's own sons. I love this scripture because to me, it's an image of Christ and who he is and who we are. And my favorite part of this beginning is the fact that Ziba decided, his description isn't like, yeah, it's, It's the son of Jonathan, he's royalty, he's amazing, he's strong and big and tall like Saul. He describes him by saying, his feet don't work. David doesn't care. He doesn't say, oh, man, what happened? Or like, oh, shucks. You know, he doesn't say anything. He just continues to go on. David doesn't make any assumptions. He doesn't make any declarations about it. He doesn't uh, have a gasping moment where he's like, wow, I can't believe his feet don't work. Because David doesn't focus on his feet. He's more focused on his seat. He sees someone that he has a seat for at the king's table. He has he sees someone, he's calling by name to enter him into the courts of the king because there is a place for him. It don't matter if his feet don't work. It don't matter if his breath smell. It don't matter if he's forgotten his name. There is a seat at the table for Mephibosheth. And I'm gonna tell you today, there is a seat at the table for you. If you're in this house today, there is a seat at the table for you. He has a seat at the table for him. Can I tell you We have to stop making assumptions of what's wrong with people's feet. Now, don't be looking at people that their dogs are out right now, okay? We're not saying to do that, okay? There's things that we come in broken with, these loopholes, what qualifies as royalty, what looks like royalty, but David looks past all that. And I believe that God is calling us to be a kingdom family that looks past all that, looks past the limp, Even if you got a little, you know, gangster lip still, whatever, from the the old life, you know, it's all right, it's all right. But it looks past that because God has a seat at the table. And I am not going to be the one that prevents God's people to sit at the table. And so we have to keep our eyes at the seat, not just the feet. And if you look at Mephibosheth's life, you might wonder, and some of you already know this story, how he became to be injured or hurt or dysfunctional in the feet. In 2 Samuel four four, it says this, Jonathan, son of Saul, had a son who was lame in both feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel, when they died in battle together. His nurse picked him up and fled because he's royalty, and you do that when you lose because you're going to get killed. But as he she hurried to leave, he fell and became disabled. His name was Mephibosheth. There's some people in the room today that need to know it wasn't your fault. You may be mishandled, you may have been lied to, you have been misled, abandoned, dropped. I want you to know today if you hear anything else from my crazy life story at all. That God has a seat for you. He has a seat for you. So you've been walking with condemnation, walking with shame and fear into the room, but God got a seat for you. Some of you have been coming every week, every Sunday, second service, maybe you get real holy, go to first service once in a while, and you walk in that room, and you raise your hand, and you sing the song, and you do the thing, and you walk, and you walk, but you've been dropped And I'm telling you today that a seat at the table is what you're looking for. And we need to stop giving ourselves the consequence of not being worthy of what Christ died for and putting us at a seat in the king's table. You've been dropped, you've been hurt, but there is a seat at the table for you today. There is a seat at the king's table for you today. Man, there is healing at the seat of the king's table. There is love at the seat of the king. There is acceptance. There is worth. There is a a value in your name and who you are when you're sitting at the king's table. Pastor Dean, gave, I'm, Pastor, Pastor Dean gave me and Andrea a, a, a gift card one time to like some really fancy steakhouse. We don't go to really fancy places. That's just not how we are. Just give me the taco stand on the side of the cart and I'm good, right? And so like, we don't go to fancy places, uh, but we're like, cool, $100, what's up, let's go. That paid for like uh, half a steak, where we went, <laughs> but I went in there like, yeah, boy, let's go 100, and I looked at the menu, I'm like, 90-something dollars for a steak, and uh, we're about to just share a steak, right, and some waters, but I'm gonna tell you, like, sitting in that fancy restaurant, I was like, yes, go get my sparkling water with that towel, yes, yes, but there's just something about a fancy restaurant that makes you feel like, I'm, dude, I'm being taken care of. And some of us have been okay. No, this is the bad comparison. Some of us have been dealing with the taco stand. Now, okay, those are bomb, all right? But God's calling you to something great. He has an experience for you. He has something for you, and He's calling you to that. And all expenses paid. Not just Pastor Dean. I appreciate that hundred dollars, bro. But uh, like all expenses paid to the steakhouse. <laughs> now I know I didn't want to go, right? He's like, man, I got man. I'm a hundred dollars. I got babysitting. I got you know, yeah. what's that so Mephibosheth he was named for this if you look at the name of Mephibosheth it actually means the exterminator of shame yet he's in this place of shame Could it be that Jonathan, the son of Saul, who brought calamity and fear and and anger and who lost the anointing of God and, and who did all kinds of crazy stuff and wronged people, that Jonathan, looking at his dad and looking at his covenant with David, he saw this son and it brought hope that he would say, hey, we've been put through shame, we've been put through hurt, we've been made some bad decisions, our name has been run through the mud, but I'm gonna name you Mephibosheth because we are gonna exterminate the shame that has been brought to our family. And here's the deal, God would, no, Satan would love for you to not live up to your name. So he's over here living in this place called Low Debar. He's living in a barren place, and he's dropped there. And he's living below his name. He's living below his name. He's supposed to be the exterminator of shame, yet he's saturated in shame. He's hurt. He's stressed out. He's depressed. He's lonely. He has no rights to his royalty or anything, and he's literally living below. His name, what has God called you to? I just imagine many of you guys, your stories when you were saved, when God has called you, you remember the moments, like Pastor Brandon was saying, like those moments where you're like, man, God, you're calling me victorious. God, my family was a certain way, but you're calling me free. My family might've been alcoholics, but I'm declaring that I'm free. My family lied a lot, but I am truthful. My family did this and did that, but I am truthful. Stop living below the name, the reason, the listen, you can do that by coming to the table. Do it by... Like coming to the table. You kind of act how you, you kind of act the way you you kind of act like the people you hang out with. When you get around royalty, huh. <laughs> well, I, I will take that salad and that little fancy forks, you know what I'm saying? Some of us have been living below what God has called us to. This name Lodabar. Where you go after you're dropped or hurt matters. Can I tell you that? Don't go to the gossip. Ooh, that was, I wonder. <laughs> Ooh, it got real quiet. <laughs> well, that was for first service, my bad. You guys are good on it. Don't go to the gossip. Don't go to the person who's gonna talk about the person who did this or did that. Don't, Don't. no, 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 That's. That's not kingdom family, right? That's not what we learn in uh, in Matthew it was 18, 19, and how we handle them things. Don't go to those places. Who we go to matters. He goes to this place of no pasture, a barren place, no worth. He is a prince who should have cattle like crazy, and he's in a place that doesn't even have pasture for cattle. He's literally in a place that is barren, a barren place. And, he, and the enemy can easily convince him that he's meant for this place, that his he's lost royalty he's broken and he qualifies for just a broken place but can i tell you guys that is a lie from the enemy my mom always told me hey if if you starts if something goes against the will of god that's from the devil straight up simple plain She's not a Bible scholar or anything like that. But she's like, that's from the devil. And she said a lot of things were for the devil, okay. Uh, so, <laughs> but she said that's from the devil. And if you start to think that you belong in a barren place because you're bad or you've been dropped or you're not that Christian or you don't know how to memorize scriptures or you don't know that song, that's a lie. None of you were designed or placed or meant for the barren place. That ain't the Jesus I serve. That's just me, I, don't, I mean, that's not the Jesus I serve. He went to the cross that none should perish, right? And so we have to believe that the king has a seat for us. He has a seat for us. You guys know I'm not a rhyming a pastor, I don't got bars. Uh, but when I was preparing this, I'm like, ooh, Pastor Isaiah, I had to pat myself on the back a little bit. That God wants to bring you from dropped to dripped. Listen, some of you are just, I've fallen and I can't get up. Ha, woe is me, Christianity. I just can't believe it. I'm just dropped. And oh, my God, they did that. Church hurt. Deconstruction. I can't believe this and that. But the king is calling you to ro- with royalty. He wants to robe you with royalty. No longer dropped, but dripped. You know what I'm talking about. You're alive, you know what I'm talking about. Dripped. That's what I'm saying. No pay less like I grew up with. Okay? Dripped. When I was a, a freshman in high school, my mom let me go to a party. I, I wasn't allowed to go to homecoming. Or prom. I think I might have shared this before. I didn't go to prom. My youth group had an event called Prom Miss. And uh, (laughs) we all all got our purity rings and uh, promised to save ourselves till marriage. And um, I think the the success rate on that was really low. I don't think they do that anymore. Um, So I went to this party, the high school party, the kickback, the, you know, And there was like, I was like, man, that's right. I told my mom, I am with the Lord. He is with me. I'm behaving. I'm going to speak in tongues in there. I'm going to bring them all to Jesus when I go in that party. And um, I sat down and (sighs) I lost. And um, (laughs) I sat down and this girl sat next to me and we're talking and uh, holding hands, and then my friends over there holding hands from youth group, and my other friends from youth group, and and in my head, I'm like, I'm a Christian. I, this is the first time I went to anything like this. I gotta. I, why am I doing this? What's going on? And I just found myself settling in around the the people I'm surrounding. I'm just gonna do what people are doing and chill. And I think Mephibosheth was kind of the same way. He's in royalty. But he's in Lodabar chilling. And I think that God is calling out some people, some go get them people. You know what my mom did? I don't know if she stayed at the parking lot, if the Holy Spirit told her. I don't know. What happened? Oh, God. I shouldn't tell this story. My mom walks into that party. I don't... It must, it must have been the Holy Spirit... She walks into that party starts ripping off blankets off people. Uh-uh. I'm going to tell your mom, let's go. Get up. grab people by the ear. Let's go. Where's Isaiah? Let's go. Where's Isaiah at? Come on. We're leaving. This isn't what God would want for you, this and that. And I'm like, oh my God, this is ridiculous. But can I tell you there's moments where we can't leave on our own. We need some go get them kind of people. We need some people who will go into the places Go into the darkness and go get him. Mephibosheth was there for years. And here he couldn't just walk out. David said, go get him. Go get him. I was embarrassed when my mom did that. Oh, that girl, she you know, she wasn't even that pretty. Let me be honest with you guys. Like, I was just excited. I, I married way better. That's all I'm saying. Way better. And so, thank you, thank you, mom. But I, I was out there, and I couldn't leave alone. I was stuck. And we need some go-get-em kind of people. We need all the king's horses and all the king's men to go put some humpties back together again, right? Some of us just laying cracked. Just laying cracked. I said tweaked and cracked in the same service. I, dear Jesus, just laying cracked. And we need someone to go get them. We need someone to go get them. Last thing I'm going to share with you today is family remembers. Jonathan and David were buddies, they're friends. And uh, they're trying to figure out, is is Saul, David's like, hey, is your dad going to kill me or not? I feel like I've had those moments sneaking out when I was a kid, is your dad going to kill me or not? And then Jonathan's basically like, hey, bro, my dad's going to kill you, (laughs) right? (laughs) And so in 1 Samuel 2018, here's what happens in that when David has to flee, it says, then Jonathan said to David, tomorrow is the new moon feast. You will be missed because your seat will be empty. David knew what it was like to have a seat and lose it. We can't forget those moments, family. We can't forget the moments where you were hurt, you were dropped, you were broken, cracked, felt like no one no longer believed in you or felt like you don't belong at the table. And the king came to give you grace. I told you guys a little bit about my story. When I was 11 years old, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, the baptism, uh, the evidence of speaking in tongues, at 11 years old, I said yes to God at camp. I was sitting there. I'm like, God, I, I, I'm, I'm, yes, I'm gonna take that calling to youth ministry. I said yes at 11. I was excited. I was preaching. I was preaching in high school. I was leading worship on the guitar. I was preaching in Mexico when we go on missions trip. I was doing the thing. I was like golden child youth group poster child guy, like, like that, right? Every camp, every everything. I was at everything, and God had called me, and He was using me at altar ministry, like like crazy. People were getting healed, and people falling on the Spirit. It was just wild. I didn't even know what I was doing. God had just like drenched me in His in His His anointing and, and everything. And and around 12 years old is when I started running from them. 12 years old, stealing from family, running away, trying to steal the car. I didn't know how to do it, so I was like. I put it back. Um, (laughs) Lying, being manipulative, rebellious. But at the same time, I was still preaching. I was singing, worship. I was was saying, hey, I'm called into ministry. I'm going to Bible college one day. I'm going to be a pastor. And I was just excited about what God had called me to do. And a lot of that changed well, I thought it changed that one day at 2 a.m. in the morning, I get a phone call from my girlfriend at the time and she says, hey, I'm pregnant, 16 years old. And my mom had me at 17. So I was like, dang it, it's happening again. And at 2 a.m., I walked into, I walked into my parents' room, probably a lot like Mephibosheth did, broken, ashamed, embarrassed, not sure if I'm about to get killed because for real, my mom's, my mom's chancla game, <laughs> it had like a brain of its own Like <laughs> right? and thinking i'm about to get grounded for life no longer be called to ministry i'm about to have a kid no one's on, like all those things and I, I go to my mom and she says i know i'm like dang holy spirit just be messing up the script for me all the time she's just like like dude like like my mom can't even go to the movies probably because the the, like the Holy Spirit like, this is what's gonna happen. You know, just ruining movies for us and stuff. So she said, hey, let's talk about it in the morning. I didn't sleep that night. And I walk in the morning, I get up there and my mom and dad look at me and they're like, son. And I'm like, oh no, we love you. There's a seat at the table for you. Care about you. We've been broken before. I remember, hey, son, I've been cracked. I've been dropped. I've fallen. I love you. There is a seat at the table for you. And that conversation went and I'm just like, well, you're my parents, you know, you're supposed to love me. You know. I went to my youth pastor, Pastor Joey James, straight out of Texas, country boy. He was my youth pastor from sixth grade to 12th grade. You don't get that that much anymore. I went up to him and I said, Pastor Joey, because I'm on schedule to do worship literally that Wednesday. I so Pastor Joey, I said, man, I've, I've messed up. I, my girlfriend's pregnant. She was in the youth group. So don't, some of you thinking, oh, she's probably from the streets. No, she was in the youth group, okay. I said, hey, man, my girlfriend's pregnant. I was like, my whole calling, my whole everything, gift, anointing, everything that God has told me to do is gone, And he looked at me, and he goes, Isaiah. I still believe God has a seat for you. I'm still believing a calling that God has on your life. Still believe you're anointed for this thing. Still believe that, you, like He would not let me go to Lodabar. He would not let me go there. Some of you are going to think about my feet right now. He didn't take me off the worship team, Pastor Isaiah. You weren't righteous. Chill worry about the seat he didn't take me off schedule to preach oh my goodness pastor isaiah oh man the word of god like when you're perfect come 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 grab this mic real quick okay listen people will tell me pastor isaiah you've been doing this a lot of years 18 years youth ministry pastor isaiah man you're too soft on the kids man. You just let them do whatever. You let kids who come in here all jacked up and kids smell like weed. You don't see them hugging in the hallways. Oh, Pastor Isaiah, come on, man. You, I remember I remember that there was someone who looked at the face of a cracked little kid, someone who'd messed up, someone who'd fallen, someone who's ready to take off to low Bar to a barren place and abandon my name, abandon my calling, abandon everything that God had promised in me. And they said, There is a seat for you. There is a seat for you. I'm not going to give up on you. I love you. I died for you. I died for you. Jesus looks at it and says, I died for you. A week later, my girlfriend at the time miscarries. The whole church knows about me now. <laughs> and now, as a youth pastor, I'm sure parents were lined up at my youth pastor's office. How dare he be on the worship team still? How dare he preach? How dare he do that? You see him? Can I tell you the reason why Why I love this so much, the reason why I love, like, my heart as a pastor, my heart is because I remember, I remember, I remember when I was given a seat at the table, broken, ashamed. I was a teenager, just like the teenagers I get to serve today. I'm not going to be the person who says, no, 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 that's no, there's no table for you. There's no seat at the table for you. There's some people here today who are in Debar. You've been convinced your name is not your name. You've been convinced your royalty is not your royalty. You've been convinced your seat is not your seat. And God is simply saying, hey, I have a seat for you. That's it. David didn't heal him. He gave him a seat. David said, let me just fix that. No, he said there's a seat for you. There's healing. The people who are at the seat. And people who are healed are not written off. They're written an invitation. And my invitation to you today is if you've walked away, you've been hurt, you've been dropped, you've you've stumbled, you've, fought, you've fallen, you've been living in Lodabar in a place that is barren, there is a seat for you today. And I wanna invite you to take that seat, to take the seat at the Father's house, at the Father's table, to, to dine with the Father, to be loved by him, to be healed by him. Can I tell you, I'm here today because I took that seat. I, I easily, man, it, there's so much more to that story that I'm, I'm not gonna do that to people and names. And, but like, I'm here today because someone said, hey, don't forget there's a seat for you. And there's people here today that you need to give your life to the Lord or recommit your life to the Lord. Also, there's another group of people here today that God is calling you to be a go get kind of person. You've been worried about people's feet instead of filling seats. God changed my heart to be more like Christ. Can I tell you in our youth group, we have kids who do smoke weed. We have kids who are messing around. We do have kids who have been trafficked and prostituted. We have kids who have been hurt. We have kids who have been abandoned. We have dads who have walked out. We have moms who have walked out. We have all these people who have done these things to these kids and I I am not gonna forget I'm not gonna forget that I was in the same seat and had someone to say, hey, come to the altar, come take your seat. And my challenge for you today is take your seat. There's a beautiful part here that David writes. You guys know this by heart. I'm not used to this version, but I'm gonna read it and then I'm gonna pray over you guys. in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley, I'm gonna say it this way, the valley, the, the valley it says through the darkest valley, sorry. I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they come for me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Listen, David had a revelation of what God wanted for him, and it was easy for him to want that from Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth was barren and David wanted him to walk in green pastures. Mephibosheth was, felt like a dog and he wanted his soul refreshed. Mephibosheth was injured in fear and David wanted him comfort. And Mephibosheth didn't walk in the name of royalty and he reestablishes his place at the seat of the king's home. I'm gonna pray for you guys and then we're gonna do the salvation prayer here in a bit. Let me pray and then we'll do that. God, I thank you for everyone who's in this room today. I thank you that you're calling us to your seat. Lord, for those who have been walking around in low debar, God, people who have been struggling, who have been things that even are not their fault, Lord God, and some people who have fallen on their own, God, I pray that they would see today is the day that they get their seat back. Today is the day that they get that love, Back. Today is a day that they actually walk around feeling forgiven, no, no more condemnation, no more beating themselves up, no more saying, I don't deserve this, I don't deserve that. But today is the day that they come into the king's house and take their seat. God, I thank you for those you're calling to be a go get them kind of person, like my mama walking through that birthday party or whatever that was, going and getting them. God, I pray that you burn that in the heart of people. Thank you again for joining us. We pray that message ministered to your heart and lifted your spirit today. Hey, to find out more about joining the RLC online family, you can find us on the Church Center app. You can also subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't, and follow us on Instagram and Facebook. God bless you.